Welcome to It's Always Funny in Philadelphia. On this episode, we talk about Series 9, Episode 8, Flowers for Charlie. And as there always will be, there's lots of plot spoilers. You're listening to It's Always Funny in Philadelphia. We are the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia random episode podcast. I don't think there's any other way to describe it, is there? No, that's I think that's, that's the best rule we could think of, isn't it? So yeah, exactly. Don't expect. Don't come here. Don't come to this podcast for thinking other things, but not <laughs> thinking. On the on the other end of the line is Tom Coates, Bomb Viver journalist, and Mister Dewsbury. Do you like that intro? Mr. Dewsbury, yeah. That, I think there's a lot of people that agree with that as well. Well, I've got my dad to knock off still, so... Yeah, yeah, true. He's, he's, he's definitely Mr. Dewsbury for now, but... Did he play for play for Dewsbury at Rugby League, your dad? Was Very he your briefly, uncle? yes. Very briefly, right, OK. So, I think uh, I'm the one that's brought the chain of people not playing, of, of not playing for them, to be honest. Uh, yeah, you see, you're a disgrace. Um, but <laughs> I, I think I'll, um, I'll, I'll do one of those intros for you every week, and I'll, I'll come up with, with different things. Okay. How are you doing? You look a bit unkempt, I have to say. Thanks. Yeah, I'm. I'm I was. I'm hoping to get my head shaved, but um, oh, right. my wife Sophie won't shave my head. I think she's hopeful that my hair will stop receding. But <laughs> the hairline hasn't improved. It's more. It's, it's growing outwards. But I've, I've thought about getting a felt tip and drawing a new hairline on. Yeah. Well, in these crazy times, I don't think anyone <laughs> anyone would blame you. But yeah, a few of my friends have had their head shaved, but I'm not allowed to have my head shaved. So have this you, is the luckiest, unfortunately. Have you ever had it shaved? Have you ever had a number one? I've had a number two, I think. But that was, as I said, that was back in the days where my hairline wasn't was, was receding. The last time I shaved it, it took about a year to grow back, which was quite a sobering experience. So I haven't, I haven't done it since. <laughs> oh, the risk that that'll be it. Yeah. What, what do you normally ask for at the barbers then? Ah, uh, change it every time. I mean, I, I think I ask for the same thing, but just in a slightly different way every time I go. I think it's a I, slight, I, I, slightly I, different accent. <laughs> well, it depends on the barber. I like to, I like to change up my barber. So I'm not particularly fussy when I get my hair because I'm being nice. Whatever haircut they d- dictate and they decree, I tend to go along with. So. <laughs> I've, I've got a standard. Two on the back and sides, leave a bit on top, mate. I think I've changed mine. As I say, I'm quite... I've, although, in my circle of friends, I think I'm faring quite well in terms of, of hair coverage. On my head, that is. So, um, <laughs> I, have, I have changed it in recent years more to protect, as I say, the fact that I am balding. Sort of where my dad balded, to be honest. It's a curse. But I've, <laughs> still, I've, still, got, I've still got dark hair, so I'm, I'm lucky. Because my brother and my dad... I mean, I'm 57 now. My brother and... My dad are both completely white, and they're absolutely furious. <laughs> my sister's convinced I'd dye my hair. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's my, my crowning glory. But you know what else is a crowning glory? What about that for a segue? Nice segue, yeah. The, the TV show, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. We have to fess up, or I have to fess up. We tried recording another episode, and we did it through something, and it just the, the file was absolutely terrible. So we fixed that, but what we did in that one was we watched the pilot... And then we uh, chose a random episode through a random number ge- number generator. Yeah, we, all above board. All above board, all completely. It's you know, there's a paper trail, so you can't come after us. And <laughs> um, we came up with series nine, episode eight, which is which is flowers for Charlie. Uh, this is what I'd call a parachute episode. 
by which I mean, you know, somebody said, you know, what is Elvis Sunny Philadelphia? And you had to parachute them in in the middle of a series so to kind of get an idea of why it's so good. This is one of those kind of episodes. Yeah, it'd definitely be one of my go-to episodes. I think, you know, without getting into too much depth too early, I think it's because I'm such a big fan of Charlie and I think this is one of those episodes that just shows Charlie at his best, he's the central character. And I think I've probably done that, in fact, tried to get friends into all this and show them this episode. It's definitely one of those that you can watch in isolation from the others. You don't really need to be that familiar with any of the characters, any of the backstories, any of the sort of story arcs. You can just enjoy it for what it is. It's quite a simple storyline. It's a parody, isn't it? It's a parody of two films. Uh, with that thing about, you know, this is Charlie's episode. It's even called Flower for Charlie. But there's, um, there's a key line and a key visual in the show. Do you know what they are? One line that encapsulates the whole concept of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And there's a, there's a visual as well. So I'll tell you what they are. Tom, I mean, the, the one line I'd probably guess at, thinking it's probably going to be wrong, is this stupid science bitch no. line at the end. The line that encap- is, Charlie is our foundation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, where does the foundation belong? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> At the bottom. But that is the show. And that's yeah, why yeah. it's really hard for anybody not to have Charlie as their favourite character because he is the foundation. And then the key visual yeah, yeah. is... I think, yeah, I, th- I, I, I can see where you're going with that. And the key visual is that graph at the end because it's all of them arrogance compared to actual knowledge. <laughs> you know, that's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the show yeah. in a graph. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see where you're going with that, actually. I mean... I think it's one of those episodes as well, which is quite rare in Always Sunny, where it segments the group not on an even... They don't segment the group evenly. So, so Charlie is isolated on his own. I know Frank's sort of hanging on with him, but then you've got D, Mac and Dennis together as well. So, yeah, I think it's, it's different in that sense. But, yeah, it's definitely one that encapsulates the spirit of Always Sunny. It's very unusual in that you don't normally get D, Mac and Dennis on a side those three so it's uh, series nine episode four it's nine fourteen on a wednesday and this is written by david benioff and a b vice did you look into anything that they've done did you do your homework <laughs> i haven't done my homework as much as i did for our pilot episode i have to say but yeah i know that the, the, those are two of the guys that i think they've done a couple haven't they from earlier in the in the in the series yeah they always write together they've got a um, a deal on with netflix and they basically wrote all the stuff when Game of Thrones went on to Netflix. They kind of oh. took that. So I'd imagine they're billionaires by now, getting on the on the got. I'm not a, I've never seen Game of Thrones, have you? I have, yeah. My wife, Sophie's a big fan of Game of Thrones, and I don't mind it. I, I don't sort of take pride in saying that I, I dislike it. The intro's very long. The episodes are very long. I find it quite complicated. I don't mind it. I can appreciate why people like it. I just, yeah, I, I struggle to follow things that complex, if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. It's that Dewsbury thing, isn't it? <laughs> it's always, always comes back to home. <laughs> um, yeah, and they also wrote the film Troy, which I've never seen, but I'm sure they made a lot of money out of no, that one as well. And yeah, um, one of the X-Men films, X-Men Origins Wolverine. I'm not up to date on the whole uh, X-Men cinematic universe, so I wouldn't know. There's, um, there, there's a guest appearance in Flowers for Charlie from one of the chaps from X-Men, isn't there? Ah, oh, is there? Ah, right, okay. Yeah, let me just see if I can find his name. It's the professor. The professor, yeah, he's um, he's called Bern Gorman. Bern Gorman, yeah, yeah, that's the one. I have he, notes on him for our character se- session. I'm sure he's in one of the X Men films. Ah, right, okay, good knowledge. The the Marvel ones that I like, I like the um, Guardians of the Galaxies and Deadpool. And that's about all I've seen, I think. 
Um, director was Dan Atias, who you kind of called out in the um, what we'll call the Lost Show. But in this period, he, he kind of did most of the stuff, didn't he? Yeah, so he did. I think he picked up initially did a few from season one, um, and then the majority of season two, and then we didn't see much of him until some of the latter season. I think, in fact, it is season nine where he reappears as one of the directors. Yeah, again, he's one of the team. He does a bit of directing. I think he does a bit of writing too and a, a bit of producing. So what's the plot of Flowers for Charlie? So it starts in the... Uh, the scene starts in, in the research lab, doesn't it? And the, the, the gang are there and it becomes apparent that there's some money up for grabs and they're, they're looking for um, a subject to be tested on. And I think initially they're sort of perception is that they're looking for somebody who's particularly intelligent and then so begins the competition about proving who's the smartest, which is quite good. Some good banter, I think, between them. And then Charlie emerges as a candidate as it turns out that actually what they're looking for is somebody with a lower level of intelligence. So, And then, as I say, I think from that point, it, it sets the scene for the rest of the episode, which is it's following Charlie throughout the testing period. I think it's a fantastic um, start because, you know, you see Frank immediately being concerned about losing his best friend. So you have that scene in the bar, one of the best lines from the episode, which is, I just realised I have two ears. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think you see Frank, you know, whilst uh, D. Dennis and uh, Matt are, are sort of annoyed, but rather dismissive of it, whereas Frank's annoyed but concerned, and obviously that speaks to the relationship the two have, and he sort of tags along for the majority of the episode, doesn't he? Yeah, it's interesting as you say about Frank here. Frank's quite low-key here. And as the series wear on, you get ultra Frank, don't you? And the, the episodes that are, that are based on Frank is just like a complete <laughs> a whirling dervish. He's a you know he's a, he's a lunatic. As you say, he's quite nice. He, you know he he just wants Charlie back. You see the sort of the kind of softer side to him, and you see the, the dependency that he has on Charlie, which I was I was really like. The fact that they, they have this codependency throughout the series, well not throughout the series, they develop a codependency. Obviously, Frank's introduced in season two. And then rather quickly, they, they do develop that codependency. And this episode plays on that being broken, and one of them sort of seemingly liberating themselves from it, but the other one's still ha- having that dependency. Yeah, and the character call-outs. There's only actually, um, apart from the professors at the end who are sat in the lecture theatre, who are a set of extras, and probably people in the cafe when he's with the waitress, there's only four yeah. main characters in this. So obviously Mary Elizabeth Ellis again as the waitress, great in this episode. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a different dynamic that you see between... I guess that's the one aspect of the episode where it does benefit to know the story arc. You know, obviously the relationship that Charlie has with the waitress and just seeing that relationship in that context. Obviously, I think it's in, in that scene in particular where you sort of cotton on to what's happening because I think it's really well done initially, obviously in speaking Mandarin and, you know, the majority of people being in no position to say whether or not it's Mandarin and beating Tangsia at chess. The scene with the waitress where you start to get an inkling that it isn't necessarily him becoming smarter, it's him becoming more arrogant. That, that scene in particular is so entertaining and interesting to watch, having seen, obviously, their relationship build, just to see it in a completely different context. Yeah, because you you don't know how she's going to react. She thinks he's just putting it on, which, as it turns out, he is. <laughs> and he just doesn't care what she says. And and then she goes off and, it, and he turns off. You, you don't know what's going to happen, and, and neither of those two things are ever possibilities in other in other shows. No, and it's one of the great ways that they use Frank in his role as a financier to bring that scene together. So, you know, the waitress doesn't ever want to see Charlie, doesn't ever want to meet with Charlie. But the, the scene is set up, you know, in quite an abrupt way, which is, oh, Frank paid, I think it's like $500 to have lunch with you. 
Yeah. And that, that sets it all up. Again, to reference the last episode, we spoke about Frank as a financier and how many doors that unlocks. And, you know, sometimes it's small things like that. But obviously, another episode is a bigger thing. We talked about Bern Gorman, who is, he, do, he plays this kind of role, this professor role in a few things. He's quite a familiar face on American TV. Yeah. But interestingly, did you know he's born in Hollywood and then came back to England to be brought up and went to the Manchester uh, School of Acting? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. I'm just actually looking at his, um, his IMDb now. Went to the Manchester Met School yeah. of Theatre, which is the same university I went to. I didn't go to the School of Theatre, but uh, interesting. That, I think, you know, for, for the limited role he has in the episode, I think, he does, I think he's perfectly cast for that character. But you weren't born in Hollywood and, and came back. To Dewsbury, no, born in Dewsbury, but then I did come back to Dewsbury as well. So yeah, after being at, Man- at Manchester Met, so yeah, exactly, you know, yeah. yeah, you've got so much in common with Bern Gorman. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, he's the professor or science bitch number one. Yeah, and then uh, Jimmy O Yang, who's uh, Tangsi, who's absolutely fantastic as well. Yeah, I love his accent. He's got the sort of that Asian American accent, which I think is yeah, quite charming. He, he's obviously the stooge, isn't he? He's, he's the guy that, that follows. You know, Charlie throughout the episode, sort of reaffirming everything that he's feeling. So there's the the scene where they're playing chess. I've just had a refresher watching the episode. I'm trying to spot whether they are actual checkmates on the board, but it's impossible to tell. <laughs> but yeah, I think he's, he's obviously a very crucial character in terms of um, cameo roles. It's one of the sort of bigger cameo roles that you have throughout the series. You know, he's present to the majority of the episode. Yeah, he's, he's perfect you know, to bounce off Charlie. And, you know, obviously there's a scene as well where Frank just tells him to shut up, which I think is just brilliant. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. And, you know, for a, essentially, um, you know, an extra character, he does a, a lot yeah. of heavy lifting in this scene. Yeah, yeah, he's brilliant. And do you know who the other character is? The other character is the mouse. Oh, of course. We know who plays the mouse. We don't know who plays the mouse, but he's called Armitage Shanks, of course. I, I found that fascinating because it's funny to name somebody after a plumbing product, but or a mouse even. Even more interestingly, Armitage Shanks isn't a brand in America. So Rob McElhenney or somebody, British, yeah. So Benioff or Vice or somebody has seen seen Armitage Shanks somewhere and decided that's going to be a good name for something. So they've named the mouse Armitage Shanks. Yeah. And then <laughs> did you get a message? You get, did you get a Sorry. message from Armitage Shanks? <laughs> if they're getting in touch already and saying they want to get to throw us some money, then, you know, we'll have to consider it. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell my notifications back on. I'm saying at this stage, we'll definitely consider anything. But I've written here Space Force, and I think that's Jimmy O. Yang. Space Force is a new sitcom about to come out with, what's he called? Steve Carell. Steve Carell's the lead character in it. And it, oh, is, okay. it is a parody of what Donald Trump has done in the States, creating ah. a, a Space Force. I think it's amazing that, you know, in these trying times, they can bung a load of money into a space force <laughs> to defeat space ISIS. <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking it up now since it's on Netflix. It's coming out next month. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, and I can't tell if it's Jimmy O. Yang or Bern Gorman in it, but one of them is because I wrote Space mm-hmm. Force in between their names on my notes. It's Jimmy O. Yang. He's a recurring character. Yeah, but Steve Carell is the, is the, is the, is the lead role. Uh, but yeah, Jimmy O. Yang's in that as well. All right, so it could be good. Yeah, yeah, as I say, it's on Netflix, so yeah, definitely worth checking out. Steve Carell, safe pair of hands. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tends to pop up, doesn't it? Yeah. Are you a fan of The American Office? Yeah, I, I like both. So I, I watched the the original British Office when it was on the first time. I watched it with my dad. I think, I mean, what year will that have been? When it, 1990, was, was it? 91, something like that? 92, 93? Oh, no, early 90s, was it? 
Yeah. 96, 97. <laughs> yeah, uh, numbers going up. 2003. It was 2001. 2001. Blimey. The yeah. first episode of the British Office. Crikey. First episode of the British Office, 9th of July 2001. And it ran through until 2003. So that places me at, I'll have been 13 when it was first on. Right. Turned 16 when it finished. So by the end, I was probably starting to understand the humour, but... <laughs> <laughs> So having watched it since, I, have, I do enjoy. But yeah, to answer your question, yes, I do like the. To be fair, I've never given it a chance. I've never, I've never Which been a one? fan. American of the American one, yeah. But I, I have to say, oh, okay. I've, I haven't given it a chance, so I can't really comment. It's a different show. It's a different. I mean, it's the same setting. I mean, there, there are similarities in the humour, and to me, it feels like I'm watching something completely different. It's, it doesn't feel like a, an adaptation of, of the British version to me. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Well, no, especially when you consider that one of the things that is out in the world out there is the It's Always Sunny in Moscow, which um, apparently... Have you? I've I've read that it's absolutely dreadful because it's line by line copied. I've seen... Well, say I've seen it. I've seen what I think probably qualifies as a trailer for it. Right. And it's... Ah, it's... I mean, I don't think it was subtitled. I think I was just sort of listening to the russian but is that true then that it's a line by line copy yeah apparently yeah they they bought it they bought the the script rights which is a very unusual thing uh, to do yeah it seems like a very un-russian program so <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, what do i know about russian culture yeah exactly uh one to be avoided or for the uber fans one to check out yeah as i said i i, I remember having an interest in trying to find an episode if i could find something that was subtitle but if it's literally the same episodes they're just in russian then you might as well just put russian subtitles or russian dub on the on the american one the more i think about it i will be fascinated but probably bored after about five minutes yeah i think there's only one series so i don't know if they if it was just series series one but before i start talking about things i should know more about them but then you know <laughs> where's the, we'll both learn, yeah where's the fun in that <laughs> so the three lines that i'm going to give you you've already mentioned one of them so but i did have a reserve one which well, are then- the best lines out of I just realised I have two ears. I'm so very wary. Absolute killer. And then obviously the the standout line, but I actually don't like it, is um, stupid science bitches couldn't even make I more smarter. Kind of rankles with me, that line. Why does it rankle with you? Just because it, cause he wouldn't say that. He is stupid, as, you know, charmingly stupid, but I, no other point has he ever got his words that badly wrong. I don't know, it's just for Isn't effect. He- yeah, I think to be fair, I think it's quite a well liked line because it's part of that that sort of triumphant end to the episode, where yeah, you know yeah. they, they obviously it's all set up that they attend the lecture, they discover the results, and then it's sort of almost like a reunion. They've got their Charlie back, yeah. and because the lines are part of that, and I think that ending is particularly well beloved by fans and yeah including myself I really like the ending for this episode and because the lines are part of it immortalised as you know iconic you know cast of the series as well no I'll give you that it, it just yeah is it, you're right it is a you know an anchor it drops and you know, that's the end of the show but my reserve line and it does actually come after that as they're walking out when Frank says you know shall we go and watch Police Academy <laughs> and as they go out Max just says just quietly I like Mahoney <laughs> they they said that up earlier in the episode don't they is is it police academy mission to moscow yeah there you go moscow again yeah well yeah yeah if moscow Um, tourist board want to drop us some money as well get on the line (laughs) yeah and i just think 
and the way it sort of, it's, I suppose it's it's fairly clumsily done, but it's still quite charming. Where they move from the word plus, I think Charlie in, in initially calls it placebo effect. Yeah, and then uh, he's corrected to placebo, and then it's was it placebo Domingo DC. Yeah. Yeah, and then police academy. So it's so <laughs> it's a bit of a stretch. Wonderfully done, I. Yeah, yeah, it is. And and again, you know, that kind of charming interplay, you rarely get it, but when you get it, you really treasure it. When when they sing harmonies and stuff like that, and when they're all on the same page, and they even allow D into the into the huddle. Yeah, moments like that are, are golden. It's so rare to see an end to an always sunny episode where. It, as I said, the word I always use when I see it is that it, it is triumphant with the music that's used as well. But it's, it's so rare to see. We talk about in this podcast, which I'm, I'm probably skipping ahead about who wins the episode. You know, in this instance, I think all four of them do. All, all five of them do. Well, yes. So scenes, the scenes that I've got written down is two of them are like mini scenes within scenes. But when Frank's doing the gruesome twosome, the song and the dance of the gruesome twosome, and it's brilliant because it's never referred to again. Like it was like it's a big thing between the two of them. Like for example, Nightcrawlers and stuff like that. That does come up yeah. a few times. He does this little dance and it never comes up again. It's so brilliant. Gruesome twosome Tuesdays. Yeah, exactly. But he's got a little and <laughs> you know, I just love to think that he came up with that himself. Danny DeVito came up with that himself. Where's <laughs> yeah. that, where's that come from? It's just I love it. And then the second one you referred to before, and I have tried to do the same thing, which is when they're playing chess. Surely he's not making actual chess moves. He's just putting the, the pieces anywhere. But at, at that point, you've got the s- suspension of belief, haven't you? I think, well, I mean, speaking personally, when I first watched the episode, obviously it's designed to make you think that he has got smarter. And I don't think there's, there are many clues at that stage. That no, he, no. That he is. Yeah, and obviously the way, you know, cliched playing two games of chess at once, and he's sort of flipping between talking to Frank and, and playing chess. You know, he's very brutal with it, and he's, he becomes quite condescending towards Tanksy as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and but obviously the greatest scene is just the whole of the last scene. So from the moment yeah. that he announces, and then he comes down on the lift, and he's you know <laughs> yeah. he's very weary, and he's in the wheelchair, and then like the reveal, and even the fact that Spider is spelt S P Y D E R, and that, as you say, and then you know the triumphant kind of where they all get out of there. Yeah, he's not been made smarter, but he doesn't care. <laughs> and his miraculous recovery as well. So obviously, he's, he's, he's obviously adopted this state where he's very weary. When when the uh, results of the experiment are revealed, there's like a, there's no resistance from him. There's no sort of he's not trying to stick to what he was. He's immediately immediately recovers. Yeah, which is another it's feature like of the a, show. A, yeah, you know they they all do that. Like they can all recover from terrible things just immediately. Not just physical. You know, <laughs> yeah. D particularly can, can bounce back from terrible physical abuse very quickly. So yeah, there's, I don't think there's any question really, and and it's one of the greatest scenes in the whole of the show. That's the best scene, but I, I give um, an honourable mention to the the petrol. To use a, an English, a British yes. English yes. the, the petrol can or the gas can, where where um, the testing that I think that's really funny. I like that scene. Yes, no, it is. It, it, it does give them a reason to, be, and whether it's it's in there just for that reason, but it does give them a good reason to be in the in the episode. And also yeah. a, a counterweight to this. It's just it's to try and show that you know, they're they're so stupid, while Charlie's getting really smart when he actually isn't. I, I like that scene, and I also like the uh, the mini scene at the start of it, where uh, Dennis plays the music to try and coax the the rat out of the hole. I think it's one of the first times you s- that Max' attraction to Dennis is, <laughs> is really demonstrated. 
Yeah. And the way the way Dennis just sort of dismisses it and just sort of turns away from him, I found that really funny as well. Yeah. So have you got any nits to pick? I'm just looking at my own notes. I don't think I picked any nits in this episode. The only one I had was when he's listening to two things at once. He obviously he obviously yeah. can't because he's got because headphones don't work like that. You can't have one in one ear and one in the other. Over ear headphones don't work work like that. Yeah, I think that. I think that is, I don't know, maybe that's just an early clue that he doesn't really know what he's doing. Exactly, it could be there as a, as a plant so that you're supposed to realise this guy's got no idea what he's doing. Yeah. And he's still doing that. But other than that, I don't have any any other nits. So, kind of alluded to who won the episode. And as as you said, and what I actually have written down is Charlie or the whole gang. Yeah, I sort of spoiled the ending, didn't I? But no, yeah, no, I think Charlie wins probably, but... Yeah, and I've, I've written down more or less exactly what you've wrote. Charlie wins the episode, but in a way, everybody wins the episode because it's set up, as you've, you've mentioned already, this, the, the line, the, the sort of iconic line that defines the series about Charlie being the foundation and the gang wanting their foundation back. So Charlie gets his life back. He returns to being who he is and he returns to being Frank's codependent, but the gang get their foundation back. And you look at it that way, everybody wins. Uh, having followed Charlie throughout it, is, there's a sort of hint that he might be humiliated or embarrassed at the end, but that's, that really quickly disappears. And this is one of the very few episodes where there is a reveal. Um, yeah. The Gang Broke D is probably the greatest reveal. To that point, you are thinking, has he got really smart on what's going to happen? And you think, how is he going to get unsmart again? Because you know he's going to get unsmart. You don't realise that he's, not, he's actually not got smart. I didn't the first time I watched it. So the big reveal and the fact that they all go out really happy and they're, they're talking about daft things and the fact that the, you know, the professor is, is really frustrated. <laughs> the fact that the spider and the cat are still in their boxes. It's just <laughs> it's a perfect ending. Yeah, because I mean, subconsciously, you're always waiting for the reset button to be pressed. I know there are some storylines throughout the series that evolve, things that happen that remain, but generally speaking, you, you are waiting for that moment where everything resets. It's difficult to predict. You sort of, you're enjoying the episode and you, you are kind of thinking in the back of your mind, well, where's, how is this going to be undone? Where, where does it change back? And, you know, in the end, the way they do it is probably the simplest way they could have done it, but it's still probably the least expected. But it is a, it's a beautiful episode. And as I say, if you haven't watched the show or you've only watched it a bit and you're flipping between episodes or whatever, like a lunatic and not watching it in a linear fashion like you should, then uh, this is definitely one that you should aim for. It's a good one to start with, definitely. I mean, you obviously want to start, you know, a season one episode one, but if you had to pick one at random, uh, you know, as we've made that example already, if I'm selecting an episode for my friends to watch, this would definitely be in the selection in about five or ten. Yeah, yeah definitely. One thing I wanted to mention that one of the lines that I've completely missed that uh, it's it's linked to the foundation line. He says, uh, "Frank says we need our foundation back," but then he also says, "We've got to grab Charlie and drag him back into the so- sewer where he belongs." <laughs> it's, it's true, but it's like it's it's almost said with affection. Because, yeah. <laughs> and Charlie wants to be at the bottom. Because that has a few traps as like uh, King of the Rats and Charlie work and stuff show. That's where he's happiest anyway. Yeah, and Frank's in the sewer with him. It's not some, Frank's not the, the guy who puts him in the sewer and, sewer and elevates himself above it. Frank's right there in the sewer with him, like literally in the sewer with him in a lot of episodes. So. And del- yeah, exactly, and delighted to be there. He just happens to have <laughs> a lot of money to, get, to come out of the sewer and then go back in again. <laughs> but that's a very good point. So we... All that remains to do is to check 
to um, decide what the next episode will be. I've got the random number generator set to minimum one, maximum 14. You just need to tell me first how many times to press generate for which series. One, two or three. Ah, okay. Um, Let's go with three. So series 12. How many episodes in series 12? There are 10. Oh, no, sorry. No, there aren't. There are yes, there are ten. Sorry, ten in series twelve. So, how many times am I pressing? Go with one. Series twelve, episode one. Episode one, the gang turns black. Ah, right. Okay, a very interesting episode in that it's just bizarre, isn't it? It's just unusual. Deliberately went for a, a really unusual setup. It's, there's no apology about it. They just do something yeah. really crazy in it as a as a counterpoint to the sheer brilliance of Flowers for Charlie. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with uh, Gang Turns Black, but as you say, you can, you can just watch it and enjoy it and laugh. But this is probably them trying to do something different, so a good counterpoint. Yeah, it's a strange... Not strange, it's it's quite a bold, daring episode for the first episode of a season. So it's, it, we return... You know, I think it was 2017, and I do remember... I enjoyed the episode, but I remember, you know, counting down the first season... To see them transformed again, we're jumping ahead and talking about the episode now. To see them transformed straight away, you know, the start of a, a new season. Yeah, an interesting episode. A lot of cameo roles for us to sink our teeth into when we And a really interesting time for the show because I think that's true of the whole of this this series is that they're trying to push the envelope like a band getting to that number of albums that by this stage they're trying to do things. And they've said they've all said recently, haven't they? We're now trying to just go back to what we were. And I think you can see that kind of in the, the last two series, whereas the ones, the kind of two or three before that, you can see them trying to do things. Yeah, they're trying to think a little bit differently, aren't they? But yeah, that's a good episode. I enjoyed that episode. In fact, I watched it fairly, fairly recently. I'll refresh again and I'll, yeah, I'll look forward to talking about that. Excellent. Well, it's been an absolute blast. I think, yeah, two potential sponsors in Armitage Shanks and the Moscow Tourist Board. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe the, maybe the town of Dewsbury. Dewsbury got a lot of mentions as well, so... We've got a lot of money to spend as well on marketing. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's your there's your comedy show, the Dewsbury Tourist Board. <laughs> anyway, I will see you very soon. I'll see you soon. Bye.